0: Welcome to Awakenings Movement Podcast. Awakenings Movement is a community where dreamers become believers and believers become doers.
1: Feels good. I'm so thankful for all of the gifts and the graces in the room, and we do not take you guys for granted. We are so, so um, honored by the choice that you made to be here today. I know you chose to be here. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you were here today with us. In the tradition of the church, there's always been this thing called the call and response. And in many many ways, it's, it's connected to the roots of indigenous cultures using drums, drums that have one call in one part of the village and then another response in another part of the village. And so we'll engage in a discourse of call and response around this idea of belief, today around this idea of belief. Shelly, would you give me some dry erase markers? Thank you. I'm sorry. I saw them somewhere. All right. So we'll do the call. I'll do the call, and then you guys do the response. Okay? Ready? If you believe within your heart, you'll know that no one can change the path that you must go. Believe there's a reason to be. Believe you can make time stand still. Believe in yourself right from the start. You'll have a yes, you'll have a heart you'll have courage. to last your whole life through. Join me for a word of prayer. Dear God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that you are God and you are sovereign, and that you are Lord and you are King. I thank you that in those moments when we feel, Lord God, that we've lost you for a lack of our own sense of belief, you are always present to remind us that we can trust you. Lord, I thank you for Jesus. Jesus, Lord God, often a person dismissed as um, passive, a person dismissed as um, idle, But Lord, I thank you for the aggressive, dynamic, static power of Jesus. The power that moves us, Lord God, like electricity to do what we cannot do on our own. Lord, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus that we come before you acknowledging that there are limitations to even our highest human capacity. We can't do everything that we've been called to do on our own. Lord, we need you. As the old writers say, Oh, how we need you. Every hour we need you, Lord God. So, Lord, we come in this moment as an acknowledgement of our need for you and of your power to transform. Lord, we love you. Lord, we bless you. Lord, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes. Anyway. We'll turn the lights out, Devon. Yes. Believe Sing it, Lena.
0: Within your heart, you know
1: that no one can change. Look at them little babies. Ha, <laughs> ha, Awesome. Woo. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Naya Valentine says that her mom would play that for her um, every morning before bed. I mean, every morning when she woke up. Um, as a way for her to, uh, to begin her day. Hit those lights for me. And I just think that there's just something to that song and something to the way that Lena Horne sang it. Um, She's saying it like a mother, you know what I'm saying? Encouraging a child. And I feel that the Holy Spirit is present with us today to do the same thing for us. I, I really believe that our belief is on life support. Like, we really have weakened our sense of belief. And belief has been known as a responsibility. Some of us heard a lady talk yesterday about the responsibility of faith. But faith and belief is not just your responsibility as a person who seeks God. Like, oh Lord, now I gotta do what's right and all this stuff. Do you know that belief is your divine right? You have a right to believe that the impossible is possible? This is the right that comes with the sacrifice of the one who gave his life for you to have this right to believe that the unsurmountable is surmountable. God has given us this right so I want to talk about Lena Horne in my head for a little bit. Um, but first, let's, let's explore Mark chapter 9. Turn to Mark chapter 9. Turn to Mark chapter 9. We're going to read it together. Turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 14. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. We've been talking about ego a lot, and... Um, and purest likeness and how the ego is the antagonist of your purest likeness, but also your purest likeness is informed by and fueled by what you believe. And not just what you believe, but how you shape the intentions around your belief. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 14, can somebody begin to read the first five verses? No, no. Anybody else want to pick up? You oh, that's powerful. Yeah, I love
0: that. <laughs> you
1: Stop right there. That boy Jesus is like, if you can. Like, who are you talking to? He was insulted. Keep going.
0: Everything is possible for one who believes.
1: Beautiful. Somebody else want to keep reading? Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That's good right there. I believe, but help me help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, this is such an oxymoron, right? I believe, but help my unbelief. Like, how can you do both? Believe and need help in your unbelief. I think that the man understood that there were two chambers. If belief is a heart, there are two chambers for belief. Or if belief is a brain, there are two sides of the brain of belief. Belief is not just one experience. It's a symbiotic relationship between two expressions that we'll learn more about. I believe, but help my unbelief. I think that we have a high level of belief in one area, or one chamber of the heart, one side of the brain, but very low in the other. And we'll talk about the difference between the two. But before we do, let's read this together, 1 Corinthians. Ready? Read. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then fully, even as I have been fully known. So we've been talking about like purest likeness and how to embrace our purest likeness. Has anybody here tapped into their purest likeness at all during this thematic series? No one. So. I have, and it feels good. I've had moments of euphoria about tapping into my purest likeness. No, seriously, has anybody else tapped into it? Mm-hmm. I did last night. You did last night. Praise God. So fresh. You look like you're fresh off of purest likeness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the chief antagonist to my purest believing likeness? Who is it? Ourselves. What part of ourselves? Mr. and Mrs. Ego, right? Or Mrs. Ego and Mr. Ego. No, Mr. Ego probably first, sorry. Who is the ego, okay? The ego is our self-image, not our true self. It is characterized by labels, masks, images, and judgment. Well, how does it work against our purest likeness? I'm so happy that you asked. Why are we going over this again? Because repetition is essential in adult learning. Ego is the false constructed self Made up of masks, labels, images, and judgments. However, purest likeness, the antagonist, the antithesis of ego, the true created self is intentions, power, possibility, and creativity. Let's read these together. Ready? Read.
0: Intentions,
1: power, possibility, creativity. Okay, we're getting ready. Okay. What can we do to turn from our false constructed ego to our created self? our purest likeness. Well, we can grow in this capacity of self-awareness. Read this with me, what? Self-awareness. When we become more self-aware, when we become more aware of where we are and where we aren't, where we want to be and where we should be, right, that is the moment of self-awareness, right? The clarity of beliefs, behavior, thoughts, and speech. Let's read this together, ready? Beliefs, behavior, thoughts, and speech. The capacity for you to turn from your ego to your purest likeness is to turn on these points. You turn on these dimes, you turn on the dime of belief, you turn on the dime of behavior, turn on the dime of thoughts, turn on the dime of speech. And if you look at it, right, whenever you have a mask up, that simply means that you are lacking pure, what? Whenever you have labels up, it means that you are afraid that you don't have true, what? Whenever you position yourself to have a particular image, it means that you do not believe in your own and judgment means you lack Crazy. But these are the things that we turn on in those moments when we lack intention because we create a mask, when we feel powerless so we create labels, when we feel there's no possibility so we shape and form an image, when we feel we lack creativity so we turn and we judge others or we judge our own capacity. These are the things that we turn on to get to our purest likeness. And in fact, these are the things and the moments where we find God. In this space is the divine, eternal space where the past, the present, and the future become one. This is eternity right here. If you want to know what eternity feels like, believe the unbelievable. If you want to know what eternity feels like, engage in behavior that's beyond what you can see. Have thoughts that are bigger than what you believe is possible. Speak in ways that are creative, and in doing so, you will tap into the most divine power on earth. Well, now, we've talked about labels and power. Danielle did a great job with that. Y'all give it up for Danielle. <laughs> Woo! Image and possibility, judgment and creativity. Today, we're going to talk about masks, beliefs, and intentions. Masks to beliefs to intentions. Well, Marlon, what does that have to do with Mark Line and purists? Likeness. I like that you asked that question. You guys ask such great questions. Your purest likeness is to believe. Now, we walk around believing that our purest likeness are being honest and real, means to use concrete evidence to navigate how we think, what we do. But that is not who we truly are as beings. We were not born to expect anything but miracles. Do you know that the human experience is miraculous? Do you know what it takes to, to, to make conception happened do you know what a miracle that is do you know what a miracle childbirth is do you know what a miracle a growing body is there we only know like maybe 25% of the makeup of how the brain even works let alone every other organ this is a miraculous experience that we are in my friends we were born to believe in and tap into soar into walk into run through the miraculous your purest likeness is to what believe Your purest likeness is to believe. Your purest likeness has intentions. Say intentions. That grow what you believe. Let's read this together. Ready? Read. Your purest
0: likeness has intentions that grow what you believe. But
1: guess what? Ego is afraid to believe what exists for fear it doesn't. So what does ego do? Ego is afraid to believe what is true for fear it may not be. So what we do is this, with our egos we shape an existence that's most tangible. We create opinions about things that we can touch and in doing so we create them only because we are afraid that what we are believing that we can't see won't exist. So we create this ego, we we make things simple for our brains and simple for our hearts and we say it ain't going to happen because it is this and this based on what we've experienced in the past. Rather than being rooted in the miracle of the moment, right? being rooted in the eternity of the moment and saying to ourselves, no, I'm not going to allow fear to keep me from living fully, which is my purest likeness, right? Ego is afraid to believe what is true, for fear it may not be. So in other words, even things that we know are true, have you ever in your own mind, don't be ashamed to admit it, Jesus himself even experienced this, did not believe that Jesus was the resurrection? Have you ever had those moments when you'd be like, man, I really don't even know why I'm believing this foolishness? This don't mean nothing. I came to that moment when nine people were murdered in a church. I was like, I think we got it wrong. I really do. I think something is wrong with the world, and this way of Jesus really ain't doing nothing about it. How could a God who loves us allow such hatred to exist? I really felt that way, right? That's my ego. My ego is trying to wrap itself around what's happening in a way that can be accessible for me. Not knowing that God has a plan, even in what happened, God's going to work with. Now, that was not God. That was the devil. That was all sorts of evil. But God has a way of turning what the devil meant for evil into something that is good. According to Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the suffering of the present cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. God can turn even the worst moment into what reveals his will for humanity. God has a plan. So I have to stop and say, Marlon, don't use your ego. That's your ego wanting to pop off, and start a fight. Well, Marlon, what does that have to do with masks, beliefs, and intentions? Belief, by definition, is an acceptance that something is true and exists. It's hard to accept. Dude, when you see the president of the United States like preach at a funeral and then conclude their funeral with amazing grace, like, and he was making a joyful noise, if you know what I'm saying, right? It was real. It, it didn't sound good, but it did not matter that it did not sound good because it, it moved us greatly. When the President of the United States has to proclaim in a time when it can marginalize him, do you know how he could have been marginalized for admitting that Jesus is the way, for admitting that Jesus is present, that God is present in the church? But this dude had to do it. Why? Because he knows that there is something true about the way of Jesus and true about the work of the church that exists. And he had to refer to that belief in this moment of disbelief. Belief is an acceptance of the truth, it is to face the truth. Belief is an acceptance of the truth. Read this with me. Ready? Read. Belief. Belief is, an acceptance of the truth. Belief is not so far away. Belief is your decision to accept what's true. It's an acceptance. The ego masks is a lie. The ego mask is a lie we wear on the face of truth. Masks manufacture truth. Ego is afraid to believe in tangible truth for fear it isn't true. So it accepts tangible lies. It believes it can trust. Fear keeps us from the truth. Boy, but this girl right here. Man, can you believe this lady? Auntie Nikki, clapping. I saw you on Instagram. I know you did. I saw that. (laughs) The conditions of film before the flag. This dynamic woman, articulate, powerful, strong, imaginative, visionary, strong physically, emotionally, and spiritually, climbed a pole. Anybody know how tall that pole was? Okay, don't start lying. Two days prior to doing that, she's cold. Podcast listeners, those are two sisters back there arguing about how tall it is. It was very, very tall, right? And she climbed this because of what she believed was true and what she believed was a lie. In fact, she declared that hate is coming against us. But in the name of God, she's coming against that flag. She proclaimed her truth with a unique and sincere sense of belief, right? But guess what? There was action that came before her belief. Now, she just wasn't some, uh, she is a radical, and she is a a reformer in the way that she thinks, but did you guys know that she's a filmmaker and that her filmmaking was a way for her to speak truth and to communicate the truth of love that exists well before she learned how to climb this pole and took that flag down? She did not only believe, but she lived like she would believed let me ask you something what word represents pure truth like your pure truth it's not rhetorical what I want you to do is I want you to turn to a neighbor and I want you to think of one word that represents your pure truth one word that represents pure truth for you what did you hear someone else say their purest truth was bold boldness beautiful, beautiful. geometry talk about that Dennis understand. Okay, okay. Anybody else? Transparency. Transparency. Uh, vulnerability. vulnerability. Freedom. freedom. Uh, honesty. Uh, honesty. Creativity. Understanding. 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 Loyalty. Love. Soul. Chase
0: his
1: is peace. peace. Oh, that's beautiful, Chase. That's, that's powerful, acceptance. Chase. Acceptance. 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 Those are all magnificently beautiful expressions of truth. What I want to ask you what lies am I accepting that mask my purest belief? You believe in love, what mask you got on that keeps you from getting on a flagpole and declaring and putting into action your purest belief? What mask do you have on your purest belief? What masks do we have up? Impatience. Impatience. Well, what's your truth? Go. <laughs> Impatience is masking your creativity. My God. My God. Yes. Poverty. Poverty. What's your truth? It's masking my love. Oh, love. Wow, yeah. dynamic.
0: I, I want to love people, but I'm afraid. Oh, I can't go. I don't have my hair cut. You know, you know.
1: <laughs> I understand. You feel that what you don't have keeps you from offering what you do have. Yeah. That's, support. Jolly. that's that's ill. Okay. You, you you're doing it, and that's what we're going to talk about, I'm so excited, oh my God. Okay, anybody else? I know. Pride. What, pride is a mask for what's your truth? Interesting, talk about that. And real I know that I a whole bunch of situations. Why you got to look at Jeremy? Why you got to look at Jeremy? Why you got to look at Jeremy? Like with this, like you're going to strangle him podcast <laughs> this woman got her, her her fingers around a grown man's neck no go ahead i'm sorry <laughs> Give first. <laughs> you give first, I'll give second. What would happen, my friends, if we remove the masks and just live into what we already believe? Can I tell you something? Heaven on earth, can I tell you something, dude? Man, I love the scripture. It says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, what you believe already is. It's your responsibility not to create what you believe. God has already created everything you need on Earth to thrive. Belief exists in the world. All you have to do is remove your masks long enough to see it. Remove your masks long enough to let the breeze of what you believe blow in your own face. You don't have to manufacture anything that you need to believe because what you purely believe has been placed in you by the only one who can give you anything pure, and that is your creator. Belief is here, friends. It's not for, your, for you to create. It's not your responsibility to create. Why don't you just stop just for a moment, just with me, just for a moment. I want you to breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth. Can you just for a brief moment, Believe that what you think is your purest belief is not something you have to fight for, but is your right your inheritance. And everything you do to fight for what you believe in ways that are impure creates a mask for what the master has created already in your life. OK, open your eyes. Check this out. Now, this is what retweeted, tweeted. Um, I think a day before, she retweeted Dr. Cornell Fresh, who I think is so cool. <laughs> Dr. Cornell Fresh, he said, If your calling is in the street, do that. If your calling is in the boardroom, do that. If your calling is getting food together, do that. In other words, he's saying, whatever you believe, what? Do that. And where you believe you're supposed to do it, then what? Do that. I believe that in many ways, we are not living out our purest belief because we're not putting our belief into action. We're not allowing our belief to be tested to be proven true. You've got to put your belief on the line every single day in what it is that you are called to do. Belief, secondly, is the condition. Let's read this read together. Ready? Read. The conditions we create to recognize what it is. So belief is not just what we believe is true. Do you know that belief is also a condition that we create around what we believe is true to nurture it? So when the man said, oh, I love this. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't get ahead, Marlon. Here we go. Okay. Belief is the creation of a condition to recognize what exists. Belief is creating peace in your home to recognize when it's already available. Okay, let, let me stop right now. Anybody have any questions? Do you understand what I say when I say the creation of a condition? In other words, your belief won't grow if you don't condition it with jerry curl juice. You know how some people, the jerry curl stuff? First of all, I do not have an S curl. I do not have an S curl. Podcast listeners, I do not have an S curl. I'm sick of people walking up to me be like, oh, what you put in your hair? I'd be like, moose. They'd be like, yeah, but what else? i was like, Nothing else. It's juices and berries, baby. It's juices and berries. In other words, like like Shelly makes fun of me because you know when I get a haircut, I wash my hair. You're supposed to be my office mate. Supposed to support support people. She tears people down. It's ungodly. You're not your purest likeness when you hate on your boy. So I I wash my hair and I put the the conditioner on it and then it curls up. But when I don't put the conditioner on it, it doesn't curl up. It just looks like one big fro, right? It's like a big Gumby fro. In other words, that my hair has the capacity to curl when I create the conditions for it to curl up. But if I don't, then I'm just froed out. Far too many of us are froed out. In other words, pride is the fro version of your true curls, your purest likeness, right? We have to create the conditions. So, that what we believe is true can become our reality. We nurture the soil in our souls that grow the fruit of our own belief. Belief is a condition that we create. You nurture a condition for what's already there. Marlon, what does that have to do with Christ? You always talk about philosophy and psychology. What about Jesus? What about the gospel? In Mark chapter 9, I love. How this loving father came so vulnerably. He said, I believe, help my unbelief. Belief must have two faces, two chambers in the brain, two chambers in the heart, right? The first part of belief is believing what you know is true, which, if I could be honest with you, is easy. It's easy to say that something is true. The second part of belief, however, is to create. An intention in your life with the work that you do to nurture the reality of that belief. So when the man said, I believe, he said, I believe that you can heal my son. That is true. Now, man, would you please create some conditions to nurture my belief? Because right now my son's throwing himself into the fire. We need to do something about it. Then Jesus turned to the all and said, how long will I have to put up with you, unbelieving generation? Come on, mommy. Hit it. Come on. Very good, very good. Uh, uh, Regina Regina Hall, the finest woman in the room, just asked, how do we condition our emotions which seem to be the most active ingredient in the condition that nurtures the growth of our our belief? What you do is you create. So in other words, um, uh, if you're planting uh, um, a tree, right? there are ingredients that go into making sure that when you plant that tree, it can grow properly. What you have to do sometimes when growing that tree is you have to use manure, right? You have to use some stinky, nasty stuff. But you have to process the crap effectively in order for it to grow and fertilize the flower or the tree that you want to grow. In other words, sometimes our emotions are crap. But we have to learn to process them. Well, how do we learn to process them? By creating the conditions. And can I, can I teach you about how to create the conditions, mommy? Can, I, can you teach me about how to create the conditions? we teach each other can you come give me a tongue kiss okay (laughs) intentions what do you do mama what do you do not only say that um, come on right, right now name out your truth name out your truth right now one two three not only believe that love acceptance and all that is true but also create intentions that become conditions to create healing around truth. In other words, intentions are the conditions that exist to reveal and nurture what we believe is true. But ego is afraid to believe what is true, for fear it may not be. So some of the reasons why we don't put our bodies where our truth is is because we are afraid that if we put ourselves out there like we have in the past, then we're going to look like the fool for believing something that ain't true. And I'm not about to play myself, because last time I was broken by this same situation. And I'm not going to be broken again, hence the emotions that can lead our decision making. I'm not going to allow how I felt last time to come into my life this time. But what about what happened in the past happened? It's not happening. What natural environment represents the conditions that create pure truth? And that's for you. I want you to stop right now and ask yourself, if your truth were a fruit. What natural environment best nurtures the conditions to grow your fruit? Like, use your imagination, metaphorically speaking. Of course, Joe Nubian is probably going to have the best metaphor. Probably going <laughs> to write a journal about it next week. But think about, think about what? Is it a forest? Is it a jungle? Mine's a jungle. Because my purest truth is love, and love is barbaric. <sighs> okay. So I didn't mean, are you, Ella. <laughs> <laughs> think right now, what environment? Think right now, what environment? You could talk, talk to your neighbor about it. What environment you think nurtures your purest truth? What's your environment? Well, what's your truth? Oh, truth. Your truth is peace. So, like, what do you think? If peace is a fruit, what environment nurtures it? I would say, a climax forest.
0: Huh?
1: A climax forest? What's a climax
0: forest?
1: It's a forest that from the trees I like that. Mine is a climax jungle, if there is such a thing. All right, now, tell me right now. Um, Like this genius of a man, the fruit that he wants to bear that he believes is truth is peace. And so he says that the condition, metaphorically, that nurtures peace, the conditions that make that peace available is a what? A climax forest. Anybody know what a climax forest is? I mean, I knew, but I guess, no, I didn't know. (laughs) Can you explain what a climax forest is? Oh, he asked his mom for permission to explain. He's so kind. It's a forest that's in the latest stage of life with all the trees that's fully grown. In other words, it's a mature forest. Oh, wow. So that means that maturity is the condition that's supposed to nurture your peace. Always having an intention that says, I'm going to be mature in this situation. And if you have that intention in your head, no emotion can keep peace from growing out of that. All right? If you have that intention in your head and in your heart. Somebody else. Come on now, we're working it out. Rainforest. A rainforest. What about a rain, What's your intention? I mean, what's your uh, truth? Uh, vulnerability. Vulnerability. So, why a rainforest? because it's, it's inhaling and it's exhaling. You're taking and you're giving. That's beautiful. Right. So then you need to nurture an environment that's open and full of air in order to grow your intention, your truth that is, that is vulnerability. So are you guys with me? You have take-home assignments, my friends, that will last you a lifetime. You should create environments that nurture what you think is true. And you don't create it. You don't grow it. What you do is create a condition so that you can reveal it. You can unearth it. What conditions have I created to kill my belief? What have I done to cut down my forests? What have I done to to burn my jungles? Y'all want to think about that and I say that out loud? I think just having certain people around you. Having certain people around you. What else burns? What kills our conditions? Bills. Bills? <laughs> Talk about that.
0: Wow, oh, man. It just seems like when you put so much time into something, and then a good portion of it is, you know, quickly and swiftly moved somewhere else where they, you
1: know. Or you can't see the result of it. You don't yet. You can't see the result. That's right. I feel you, bro. Right. And it may not be the bills themselves, but your relationship to them. You know what I mean? Sometimes we have relationships with things that are happening in our lives that don't necessarily nurture our purest intentions. Now, some things in your life you cannot control, things are happening. Death is like a constant and perpetual reminder that there are things in life that we cannot control, but sometimes it's not what's happening to us, it's our relationship to what's happening to us, our relationship with the bills. If you have bills, that means, Marcus Wiley says, you are alive. (laughs) You are alive. There's still yet opportunity for you to breathe. I want to share one story with you and then I want us to move into a space where we allow the Holy Spirit to really nurture our intentions. And uh, I want to share a story. I always tell you guys that I don't teach you or tell you any stories that I don't myself apply. And when I apply them, I test them, and when they work, I share them with you, all right? So it, people have been asking me, like, how Princeton was. <laughs> oh, sorry. Princeton, the conditions before Princeton. So dude, I, I came back in my memory to when I was in high school. And I uh, was graduating from high school. And my high school counselor, who had me running errands for her during my senior year, rather than take this um, computer applications class that she told me I really didn't need, So I would just go get her lunch and go get her stuff. Anyway, this very same lady called my parents three weeks before graduation and said, hey, your son is failing computer applications, microcomputer applications. And y'all need to do something about it because he hasn't been to class all semester. Oh, no. Sweat for oh, God, sweat for no. God, sweat for God. No. I, I want to say her name right now, but I'm not gonna say it. I was like, that's so dirty. She, I was in her office, hanging with her, you know. I was her little pet. I mean, I, I, You said what? seriously okay thank you uh so what we do so I did the deal and my dad comes into my room and this is the very first time my daddy cussed me ever in life (laughs) and my dad some of y'all know my daddy he's very kind to me and uh (laughs) he came in and he was like he cussed me and then he took me by my neck and then picked me up with his right hand his right arm I promise I I didn't either but my dad created the conditions to honor that belief <laughs> because he lifted me up. And I, my legs were dangling. I was like, Daddy, what? Like Before he said anything, he was like, why don't you, you go to that microcomputer application class? I was like, Daddy, like my counselor said I didn't have to go. He's like, don't you know you don't believe everybody that tell you everything? I was like, yes, sir. So anyway, I had to take, I had to take every single midterm, and I had to ace the final. I had to get an A. I had to get a 90% or above on every midterm, well, on the midterm, and then also these little tests that the teacher gave me. Mr. Hill was his name. Y'all remember Mr. Hill? Mama, you remember? Anyway, uh microcomputer application. I, had to, had, I did not believe in myself. I was like, I hate, I didn't go to class because I wasn't good at this stuff. And now I'm supposed to ace everything in three weeks? My dad came in. He said, not only do I believe in you, he said, I'm betting on you. You can do this. He said, and if you don't, I'll kill you. (laughs) I mean, what what options did I have? My life depended depended on me. So I did it. I was studying. I was working hard. The first test I did well on, second test, third test, ended up doing exactly what I was supposed to do. I graduated. And then when I was walking into the counselor's office before I was going to graduate, I mean, I don't know why I made this lady my friend, but anyway, She sat me down, she said, well, it's time for us to talk about your college options. You know, I know that you've applied to this school and to this school. You've been accepted to Fisk University. Um, However, I really believe that it is best, in my experience with students like you, for you to pursue a trade school. She said a trade school would be good. She said, you're very imaginative, you're good with your hands. She said, you know, your father's an upholsterer, it may be good for you to... And I was like, I was like, well, what do you mean? I was like, but I've been accepted to these schools. She was like, yeah, but I think you may be wasting your time. I just don't think that your academic, your postgraduate academic material. just crushed me, man. I did not believe in myself, like, for weeks after that. Anyway, I went on to my my father. My parents, in many ways, heard her, kind of. And instead of going to Fisk, paying a whole bunch of money to go to Fisk, I went to Lamar University for a year. And my dad said I had to prove myself at Lamar University. In fact, at my graduation dinner, because you were there, my dad got up and announced that I was going to Lamar University. And I was like, no, Daddy Fizz." He was like, no, Lamar. (laughs) That's how I found out. When I got to Lamar University, I studied my butt off. I did not know how to, how to study. Anybody ever got to college? Anybody when they got to college did not know how to study? I did not know how to study. <laughs> so I studied the multiple intelligences, Howard Gardner's multiple intelligences, who said that there's more than one, way, one highway through which information can come for you to retain it. It's not just the logical, mathematical, or even the linguistic, logical, mathematical, like reading stuff, or the linguistic, hearing lectures. He said there's the musical intelligence. There's the kinesthetic intelligence, bodily movement. He says there's the environmental intelligence, using nature as a resource to memorize stuff. So I made up songs for a lot of the material I was supposed to learn. I made up routines, like movements, for different things I was supposed to learn, I promise. Dude, I ended up up becoming a three-point, nine grade point average student at Lamar University. I went on to go to Fisk University, where I became cum laude graduate with Department of Honors, National Pew Scholar. When I graduated from Fisk University, you know the very first place I went when, I, when the plane touched down in Houston, Texas? Oh, yeah. Lamar High School is where I went. Yes. I walked up in that mug, and I put my degree on the table, my copy of it. I put my copy, and I asked. For a copy of my degree, they said, We're gonna send it to me. I said, Uh uh, give me a copy. I put it on her desk. I said, Don't you ever tell anyone that you don't believe in them again because you have been proven wrong today. Don't be proven wrong again. Trust your students. She's like, What's your name again? (laughs) 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 Needless to say, my dream was to be an academician. God called me into the ministry, but I still had this belief. So, what I did is I created the conditions. I had the, I believed that it was true that I would someday teach in postgraduate. And I also believed that I was going to teach in the best of the best schools. I don't know why I had this belief, but this was just my truth. This is what I believed that God had called me to do that. But I got called to ministry. And when I got called to ministry, I started, I got the opportunity to hang out and do life with you guys. But what I decided to do was to infuse. Everything that I would into an academic experience, into how I taught right here at Awakenings. So with films, with um, practicums, and all kinds of stuff. Y'all don't know this, but I I prepare for this like I'm preparing for a lecture, and i be I really want to be like uh, Lawrence Fishburne and what you come and have like a, a pipe higher learning. That's really what I want to come like. But anyway, so anyway, when I, I'm, I'm I'm teaching, i I I got invited to teach at Princeton, and so when I get there on the first day. As I'm about to begin, they introduce me and they say Marlon um, is our, our, our teaching fellow and he'll be our teaching fellow uh, for this year to design some creative, innovative things and we are so excited about him being here and we never imagined that we would have someone as gifted as this. And so I get up, and so I'm, I'm just about to like do it. I'm like, man, I've been doing this at Duke. I could do it here, you know. I talked to Joe Nubian about it. She said, hey, you could do it. I said, okay. Uh, so I got up and I started to speak and I was like... <gasps> And I just wept. And they were like, they were like oh, Lord. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I was like, I know this is normal for you guys. Princeton is normal for you, but it's not for me. It's very precious. Because this has been in my heart ever since I was in high school. And now God has brought it into fruition. So if you just give me a couple of moments. After those moments, man, I'm telling you, I've never given a lecture that live. I've never done a practicum that live." Never. It was so great. And afterwards, all of the students were like, you need to move your family here because we need you here at Princeton. We don't know where you're coming from, but we need you here at Princeton. In other words, I created the conditions through where I was to nurture what I believed was truth even when I didn't see it. I wasn't teaching at Princeton when we started. I wasn't teaching at no school when we started the Awakenings Movement, but I taught like I was. And when I created the conditions for what I believed was true, ultimately, as Russell says, God gave me not just what what I didn't deserve, he gave me more than what I imagined. God will give you what you believe when you create the conditions because he's the one who gave you what you believe. Man, I'm telling you, I walked out of Princeton University so hyped. I walked out, I was like, ah! <laughs> I, was, I was high-stepping so hard. I was like, you know what, I want to record myself high-stepping because I want to show this to Phoenix later on in life when she tells me that she don't believe us. I want to say, baby, you know what? Look at your daddy right here. Your daddy is high-stepping on the campus of Princeton University, and his high school counselor told him that he should be a mechanic. But I created the conditions to nurture my belief. Here's the call. If you believe within your heart, you'll know that no one can change the path that you must go. Believe
0: what you feel and know you're right, because the time will come
1: around when you say it's yours. Believe there's a reason to be. Believe you can make time stand still. You know from the moment you you try. And you believe,
0: I know you will.
1: And I know you will, and God knows you will, and we know you will. God has something for all of you, but it requires your belief. And it also requires your work to create the conditions right where you are to nurture what you believe is true.